Hi, this is Teresa Gonzalez. I'm your host for Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. These podcasts will help you navigate the internet with intergenerational stories with people of color who have come from tech, education, and nonprofits. And in this segment, we are talking about AOC and her video being posted at a Grizzly game in Fresno, California. Seeing Latinas that are representatives of their community and how they can rise and work together in their community. And Fresno is a predominantly uh, Latino-based city, which is growing, and it's becoming more and more segregated. And I, you know, when I was there, I could tell that there was a lot of, you know, as we were talking microaggressions in the past— And I think that's where I learned to code switch and how to make myself comfortable so that I could maneuver. And coming up here to the Bay Area, you know, it's like I became woke as we were talking about, like all these things. You just experience all these different things and you start to hear about people's stories. And so when I see this from where I grew up and the shit is still happening and we're talking about putting a Latina down who is in you know, politics, who is trying to change. Congress. Yes. And when we talk about her new Green Deal and we talk about, uh, you know, how she's trying to change some environmental laws, I think it's so important that people realize for Fresno, especially if you're listening from Fresno and you hear this, that they have the worst uh, smog and asthma because of the Central Valley, because of the population of uh, the population growth, and also everybody is in cars. And so when you put her face up there, like she is the state of the enemy, and here she is trying to make your ass, like, you know, have the world become, a, you know, become this place of being clean and you can breathe and generations to come and we have trees and shit. It's like, come on, Fresno. Come yeah. on, man. You yeah. can you can do better than that. I mean, I still have love for Fresno, but man, come on. I hope you guys enjoyed this topic as much as I did. We tackle issues such as slut shaming and how men want to be a part of the change and the times that are moving along with it. I really appreciate this uh, background that you're presenting on the slut shaming and how to own your your sexuality, but I like also how we're bringing up the aspect of men and how we're not allowing them to have a space, a safe space for their feelings because society has really put them in a box. And I don't think we're trying to say, oh, it's all the dude's fault, but I think they have to, I think there's, I want to say, and I want to give the benefit of the doubt, which maybe I shouldn't, but I feel that men are starting to wake up to say, you know, this is, this isn't who I am, and and they're and they ha- because of how we're all coming together and talking about things that are fucked up. They're trying to also, I think, stand on a platform to say, I want to be the ally for women. I want to help, and I want to express my feelings. But I think women have to be aware too that it it is really hard for men, but it is not as hard as it's. as as it is for women because when we're in the workplace and if you're in an abusive relationship or if you come from an abusive relationship and then you're going into microaggressions into work I mean can you just imagine that amount of stress I mean and then you, you know people don't understand why we need to go to therapy or why we're always leaning on our girlfriends or why we're having meltdowns right 
Instead, we're seen as hysterical or we're crazy or we're bitchy or we're this or we're that. It's never, hey, what's going on? I really enjoy this part of the podcast where I'm talking to the mijas that want to come through the corporate world. So stand and listen. In the corporate world from where I'm from. And even now when we talk about mijas that want to come through, even through politics, we want to get there, but we're still confined to fit a norm that is considered professional, right? We can't come in. We're still being, we're still scrutinized. And there's there's a certain dress code that we still have to get through to make sure we're not preyed upon at work, right? Because we're talking about sexual harassment, you know, the whole Me Too movement, the whole, like, why can't men just control themselves? Why do we have to change ourselves? I really liked what my Thea said because it really resonated with the culture I'm a part of, and it just shows that we all have strength in us and we are powerful women. You have so much power and you're stronger than you know and you may not feel like that right now or you may not feel like that when you know you're in that job or you're Latinas that are you know cleaning the bathrooms or they're making the beds you know they are so strong when they come together and they fight for their rights and they and they speak their truth it really brings more people to the table to say, yes, I want to help you. Yes, I want to do this. And it brings this moment of we're all together. This segment is awesome because we are not going to be small anymore. And this is for all the mijas out there that want to grow big and strong. Well, let's just be real here. You know, when we have never really been able to speak up, it's always been white women that come to the table and they've always spoken. I mean, that's the whole Me Too movement. You know, it's always white women and thank you for that. But when we start to come through the ranks and we start doing this, like this podcast, or we're pissing people, we're pissing people off or we're just angry. We're so hostile. We're so aggressive. We're so... You know, there's these labels on us no matter what. And we're supposed to be collectively empowering each other. And when we do that, then it becomes, you can't say that to me anymore. You have to change your ideals because we're just who we are and we've been oppressed. You know, get get the foot off the fucking neck already. This piece is for the women who are still navigating who they are becoming and who they want to be without having to worry about any input. So I liked what Andrew was saying earlier about, you know, bad bitch and how, you know, being unapologetically you. And I think that's so important to me, especially right now where I am in my life. I've been told that, you know, I have, I take up too much space, you mm. know, and I think... Not my Kenna. I Not know. my Kenna. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, but... It's, and I think it's because I do have a strong personality and, and I had to like realize myself, I took a step back from, you know, that person and I had to realize, you know, it's not my job and it's not my responsibility to stunt the growth in the person who I am becoming and who I want to become. And I believe that, you know, I'm going to be me. And if I take up too much space, it's not my problem. It's not my job to make space for you because I'm taking the space that my personality fills and I'm not going to be sorry for that anymore. And I think that being a bad bitch embodies that. And I think it embodies being who you are unapologetically, whether, you know, it's wearing whatever you want, saying whatever you want, just being you. And I think that 
This is a shift in consciousness and it's changed the way we think about everything, the way we think about sex, gender roles, and sexuality and power. And I think it's a really great thing. In this segment, we're talking about standing together from the block to the boardroom against Brett Kavanaugh. So when we talk about Professor Ford and that awesome statement and we're going back to slut shaming and the things we're talking about, the the, the thing that really bothers me is that this man got into the Supreme Court. So when we talk about the war on women and the abortion laws that are coming up or that are happening right now and they're being dismissed out of, you know, the southern states, we're talking about this is where we all need to be in sync because when Brent Kavanaugh gets on that Supreme Court, there was a law that was passed that promoted anything that goes to the Supreme Court does not need the ju- the judicial uh, normal vote. It was reduced to, I think it was, what, 51%? I have to look at my notes here. Uh, but anyway, him being nominated into the Supreme Court is going to allow any issue or any... Uh, you know, abortion law, which is the Roe versus Wade coming, you know, law that went, that passed through in the 70s, because his ass is in there and Trump changed the law of the voting of the Supreme Court, I'm getting really upset here, is that they can overturn that law for all states. In this piece, we talk about communities and how we need to just stop talking and go out there and collectively vote together. Be part of the change because you know why 50% of all white people more than 50% go out there and vote which is how this whole election in the south got won so it's time to really recognize what's happening out there who people are being put into politics so this whole thing if I can just bring it full circle to why AOC is in Congress right now and how she was put down as a strong Latina representing a lot of women of color that that just hit me like a fucking dart in the heart because that was just so like how could this happen we're going it's 2019 when I left Fresno it was so long ago and I thought oh I don't even want to talk about how many years ago it was, but I'm like, oh, things will change. No, things don't change. So change things, people in these communities that have a big Latino community, and we all need to stand together, especially for women of color. And yes, they want to own their pro-ho. They want to own their sexuality. It's because we are being dominated, you know, from all the way up into the White House. And it's time to stop that shit. In this closing segment, we're giving you pro tips on how to stay motivated, don't stand down, and get off the sideline. What we're talking about is how to empower yourself, what you're getting into, the the climb that is out there in the world, and don't be afraid because we're all here listening. We're here. There are people, so many women behind us that have stepped up that we need to recognize that gave us this pathway and it's just coming up again that we need to all be together and make that platform very verbal and I love it I love but we need to recognize some history here and we also need to understand some political agenda that's behind it and I think 
what we're talking about is giving you that so that you can understand what that means for you, where you can look up things. But I think overall in this podcast, from the block to the boardroom, what we're really saying here is don't stand on the sideline. Get involved. And voting is your biggest, biggest movement you can do. Yes, because some people, a lot of people, as we know now, did not vote. I mean, we did step up in this last election to come out and vote, but we still need to vote more. I mean, 17.3 million Latinos did not vote in the last election. And so when we don't vote, we lose. Okay, and I know a lot of you out there are saying, oh, you know, it doesn't matter to me, but it should matter because it affects everything from, you know, now Planned Parenthood, as we said earlier, it's not going to be available uh, in these southern states. And it's not about abortion, people. It's about health care, which many of us need. And we need that health care. Why? Because a lot of us don't want to go we, we we don't have the benefits to get on Medicaid or to get on Kaiser or have private insurance. So we go to Planned Parenthood to get the things that we need, right? Because we're the mamas and the theas and also the men, you know, that need to, to be uh, healthy as well. And so this is like a mobilization that we're trying to help hopefully inspire you by. And it's also about outreach because what I have here as a stat is that Again, I mentioned this earlier, is that white people consistently vote by at least half, okay? At least half, which is more than what the Latino and the African-American community do. And we need to understand this because this affects everything from your civil rights to your health care to your job, you know, how you, you get wage equity, Right. Because the whole wage equity and the civil rights of uh, being biased in, in hiring practices, which we talked about earlier, too. So we're tying it all together into you have the power. Everyone has power. Just recognize what it is. And hopefully we've given you these digestible tidbits. And today was a little hard because we're we're very serious, but we're pissed off. And in this segment, we introduce Homies Empowerment, a nonprofit in East Oakland with Dr. Cesar Cruz and how he teaches us to have and create space. How we want to start this podcast a little bit just to say how grateful we are. But he brought up an exercise of how as Latinos or people of color, we do not get to experience moments of just creative thinking or silence and just have some space to really get connected with ourselves about our feelings, about what we want to do. And so he had us do this exercise uh, to chat with our partners who we didn't know, like sitting next to us, which I didn't know this uh, gentleman from, you know, his his story. And he shared it with me and I shared my story with him. But then he had us do this exercise about, okay, and this is really heavy, but it's so intention setting and it's so powerful. Uh, he said, okay, there's paper in front of everyone. And mind you, we're talking about, you know, people from the community here. That's all walks of life. And he said, I'd like you to, okay, write a letter 
to yourself from your great, 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 great grandmother seven generations ago. Because he says, my name is Cesar Cruz, which my last name is Spanish. You know, I speak Spanish, which is European. I speak English, which is European English. And yet I don't know my mother tongue. I don't know the lineage of my family or how it came through seven generations ago. But, you know, white folks, they can trace a lot of their roots back to where they came from, and yet a lot of Latinos cannot. So he said, picture your great, great, like, great-grandmother speaking to you today and what you're doing and what would she say to you today? Like, what would she tell you? And he's like, write that down. He's like, I'll give you about two minutes. And he's like, say what you think she would say to you about where she is and what she's seeing that you're doing today and just... You know, what would she say to you? I really love this segment with my niece becoming inspired by visiting Homies Empowerment and wanting to go back to her community to help. I thought it was a very beautiful experience. I have never in my life experienced such a wonderful community gathering, especially in East Oakland. Like, I didn't know what was happening. Well, you've never been. Well, I've never (laughs) been to East Oakland. But, like, also in my own community, like, I don't see the community work that Oakland is putting back into their own. I don't see this happening. And this is in Fresno. Yeah, and this is in Fresno. I come from a very, you know, uh, a community where it is primarily people of color and it is Latinos and it is African-Americans, you know, and we have a very big Hmong population. And I don't see a group like Homies Empowerment doing the work to help these kids succeed and not in the way that society has made everyone think what success is. It is in the mm-hmm. way that they believe their success is. Right. And so I believe that what Homies Empowerment is doing is inspiring and it makes me want to get back home and really do some work there. And, and you know... It, Go Kenna. Go Kenna. <laughs> yeah, and, it, it you know, I love my where I come from and I believe that there's what... This is what we need in Fresno. This segment, we introduced Nicole Rivera, who is a civil activist in the community who knows her stats. Nicole wants to uh, chime in here for the community. No, I just wanted to say that for Kenna and for everybody listening in the Central Valley, I would highly recommend that you reach out to Communities for New California. Uh, I was one of the founding board members for this group many years ago, and what they're looking to do is build power in the Latino community uh, in terms of community organizing and turning out the vote, and they run a slate of uh, Latino-focused candidates throughout the Valley um, from Water Board, which nobody pays attention to, but if you actually live in the Central Valley, clean water is a huge issue. Oh my God. Uh, all the way up to uh, congressional, so congressional candidates. So shout out to Communities for New California. Here's my niece introducing the social injustice in water equity in Fresno. Because I do work in like the Fresno Unified School District. And so I work in Fresno mostly, but one day I worked in Clovis. They're not as in poverty as Fresno is, let's just say that. And so you look around and you see water, these water filtered um, like faucets that have like you put your water bottle in there and you get filtered water. I went to Sager High and they also had that. But I go to Fresno schools and I don't see that. I don't see the access to clean water that these schools have. I worked at many schools in Fresno where their water faucets are just the tap water from Fresno, which Fresno does not have a lot of clean water, Mm. as you've stated and as Nicole 
um, mentioned earlier, I believe, right? And so, you know, I look around and I'm looking at these kids and I'm like, there you see the difference. And in the community, we need to get Fresno County yeah. to realize these kids are just as important as those right. kids in Clovis. It's the social and it's the it's the inequity economically, and this is what we were talking about yesterday when we were talking about how Fresno is becoming more segregated due to that. Um, you, you can just see the racism that's just continuously growing. Here's all the Latinas trying to inspire you to vote. Fresno, if you're out there listening, step up, man. I said step up to the plate. Let's do this. Run for a water board. Uh, so when I was working with this organization, water board decisions in terms of election wins are made by a couple of hundred votes, literally because nobody is running for water board and nobody from the community was running from water board. So if you are interested in throwing your hat in the ring for something that matters, you know, clean water for everybody, which is a basic human right, and it's a travesty here in America as the richest industrialized nation in totally. the world that our communities don't have clean water, uh, run for water board. Really reach out to communities for New California and, and make a difference. It really just takes one person to step up to the plate to say, I'm not going to take this anymore. In this piece, we're talking about the social injustice of science, technology, and math in our communities here in the Bay Area. Here in the Bay Area, there are a ton of nonprofits that you can definitely support, volunteer, uh, and a lot of them are in communities of color. As for me, I'm on the board of the Calculus Roundtable, which is an organization that supports science and mathematics out in uh, West Contra Costa in Richmond, California. And that is providing uh, professional development and more education around mathematics and science because those students don't have the resources in those communities nor the teachers to teach them. And if you think about this area of the Bay, which is highly influenced by technology and where the population is going to continue to grow, this is another uh, economic disparity that's happening between education, science, and technology. And in this segment, my niece McKenna is talking about the disparity in Congress that reflects definitely into our communities of color. I thought it was really, really great. I feel like the film was very inspirational to me because I it showed me that there is hope for women of color and Latinas. And, exactly. And it really did. It, the representation, there needs to be more of it for Latino people mm -hmm. in Congress because, like, according to the Census Bureau, there are 58.9 million Latinos in the United States right now. Mm -hmm. And there are only only 50 out of 535 members of Congress who are Latino mm -hmm. and four senators out of 100 that are Latino. And so if we have this major population of people of color and Latinos, why isn't there more representation for us? And it's because we aren't out there voting. We don't feel like we are empowered enough to go out there and represent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we need to know that we can do this. And I think AOC shows us you know, our community is capable. We are capable of being the leaders we want to see. And in this piece, Latinas are getting pro tips on how to set intention and to visualize. You know, this is how you start to build your momentum in goal setting and actualization. So when we think about, you know, like a pro tip here of like she did, what you want to do is you want to write your goals. You want to see the end game in your mind and the steps you're going to take to that end game. How are you going to get there? You say the things that you're going to do. But also you want to intention set to say, 
what is it that I want to do once I get there? And so when you're when you're thinking about these things, like when I was in business, you know, when I had to prepare for meetings or, you know, the big sale, you know, you really have to have a lot of information. You have to think about the scenario, the story. It's, it, is, it is a visualization that you have to put in your mind to say, okay, to build that confidence, right? Because we're talking about a heavily dominated male industry here. And here I am, little Tere, right? Because I'm not like, you know... 5'11", and, you know, I'm this, like, you know, what do you call it, chaparita almost, you know, and I have to wear my heels so that I get up, you know, and I'm like, oh, here I am, you know, rough puffing my feathers out. But I also had to play that game of, you know, stick to the numbers, stick to the data, and that's what visualization is, is I really enjoyed this piece because we're talking about all women rising up together. And when we talk about the war on women, we're talking about healthcare. We're talking about the lack of it in the South. What's happening today when we're talking about the abortion rights, AOC and all these women that are in politics that are trying, especially Elizabeth Warren and, you know, we them collectively coming together saying, this is bullshit. We have to stop this because we need the we need access to these resources we need we need uh, economic equity we need health care because at the end of the day who has more responsibility in the family or in the community than women of color because like we said in the previous podcast we're taking care of our extended families we're taking care of you know elderly we're, you know and I know a lot of people across the board have that but for people of color, We just don't have that extra money. And in this segment, we discuss how the communities and especially women of color are perpetrated on a daily basis. No, I'm just really frustrated that when we talk about religion and we talk about politics in terms of, you know, uh, legislating women's health care, it all comes down to control, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Federal Grizzlies, if you missed uh, the last podcast, they put out this video that showed... Um, Congresswoman uh, Alexandra Cortazio Ortez, uh, in in line with Fidel Castro and <laughs> Kim Jong Un, right? I was just like, oh, killed killed me. But the problem that I have with that, right, is just the attack on women. And you know what really sort of broke my heart was this tweet that AOC ended up putting out in response to it, and where she said. You know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and when I'm drinking my coffee, um, the Capitol Police provide me with threats that are relevant. And, you know, nine times out of ten or essentially they've always, always been men. And when I work for the House of Representatives uh, for a strong female leader, um, you know, the people calling us on the phone and saying really nasty things, the C word and whatnot, they were always men. And, you know, it was very interesting being a young staffer and sort of having to sort of listen to these this negativity. Um, and as she rose to power, we had in our office a— um, Whose office? Well, we'll leave her out of this. But in, in her <laughs> office, you know, we, we had a, a mail machine where when we opened up the mail that came to our district office, we had to do it with gloves and with a, uh, a face mask. And there was a special mail machine that sucked in all the air, right? Because there was this really credible, there's always been really credible threats of, um, of yeah, of anthrax uh, being, wow. being sent to the office. Thank you for listening to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. I hope you enjoyed this introduction reel. 
Please like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thank you.